Good morning, everybody. Um, as I said earlier, it's great to be back in here in a nice full room. It's very, there's a real energy here that's uh, wonderful. The Holy Spirit is with us. Um, today, we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus. Those of you who grew up at uh, going to church Sunday school probably are very familiar with the story of Zacchaeus and maybe even still know the song. And, you know, since, since we don't have an official children's message, I'm going to embarrass my wife. She doesn't know about this, and I'm going to ask her to sing, yes, <laughs> to, lead, to lead the singing of, of that song. This is for the kids, honey. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get up here. Come on. Come on. She didn't know about this. She didn't. And I would ask that all of you who know this song, please join in, because I know there's so many out there. So, I know I will. All right, everybody know the song about okay, Zacchaeus. Them, right? Oh, please, Pat knows it. I can see. Zacchaeus was a wee little oh, man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord went walking by, he looked up in the tree. He said, come on, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, dear. As I said, she didn't, uh, she didn't know about that, but she, um, it was fine. Thank you, dear. Um, so while this is a catchy song for kids, um, there's some important insights that we can gain by looking deeper into this passage. So let us start by reading the word. Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. <laughs> so he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Hmm. So there's three points I want to cover today and uh, start with a question. Did you ever experience a situation where you had an important message to communicate to someone you love but time was running out, and they still didn't quite get it. Maybe your 17-year-old is heading out for college for the first time across the country, 
And you want to make sure they understand the importance of not getting caught up in the party scene. And they say, don't worry, Dad, I can handle myself. Or maybe your spouse is heading out for an extended overseas military deployment into a war zone. And you just had an argument about something stupid. But you want to be sure he understands that you truly love him and will miss him sorely. And he says, I'll be back in three months. Hopefully we'll miss each other by then. When you, when you look at the context of this passage, it seems Jesus was in a situation like this. Jesus knows his earthly ministry was quickly coming to an end, and he wants to be absolutely clear to his disciples and followers about his gospel message, that salvation is available to all through faith and repentance. So how do we know that Jesus was nearing the end of his earthly ministry. As we heard from Pastor Joe a couple weeks ago, a good portion of Luke's gospel, called Luke's Travel Narrative, documents Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. It started right after the Transfiguration. Uh, as we read in Luke 51, 9.51, that as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Ten chapters later, at the beginning of our passage in Luke 19, we read that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho was now only 15 miles, Jesus was, Jericho was now only 15 miles from Jerusalem, basically a day's walk. This was his last big stop. From a vantage point, Jesus would have been able to see Jerusalem in the distance. He knew his time was coming to a close. Just a few minutes after Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, in verse 28, we read that Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Jesus finishes his journey and makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and within one week, he'll be crucified. That's the context of Zacchaeus' story. You can even sense an urgency in Jesus' words when he speaks to Zacchaeus in verse 5 when he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So Jesus is running out of time, and many of the crowd and even some of his disciples are still not completely clear about his mission. So Jesus uses this encounter with Zacchaeus to hammer home who his good news message is for and who can take part in the kingdom. But to really understand Jesus' point, we need to have a clear picture of Zacchaeus. He was not a sweet little guy like you might assume from the cute Sunday school song. In verse two, Luke describes Zacchaeus saying, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. There's a lot in that short description that people of his day would have clearly understood, but was not so obvious to us today. He was not just some upper middle class manager working for the IRS. Jericho was a thriving commercial center in the region and much money was exchanged and plenty to be taxed. Tax collectors were Jews who worked for the hated Roman occupiers collecting taxes from all their fellow citizens. And they had the muscle of the feared Roman army to enforce their collection efforts with deadly brutality if required. 
And they were notorious for using this power to also enrich themselves, taking more than Rome demanded and putting it into their own pocket. Essentially, an extortion racket. Zacchaeus acknowledges this fact in verse 8 when he says, if I have cheated anybody of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Because he knew he cheated people for a living. As a chief tax collector, he would have had other tax collectors working for him, which made him a leader of this extortion operation. He was more like a mob boss of a protection racket. His wealth was, all, was from all the money he had stolen from his fellow Jews using the sword of the Roman Empire. Not a nice guy at all. A pretty bad guy. So why did Jesus single out Zacchaeus? The answer becomes clearer when we look at the two related encounters Jesus had just before this point in chapter 18. His healing of the blind beggar and his con conversation with the rich ruler. So let's look at those. In Luke 18, we read of Jesus' encounter with the blind beggar at the gates of Jericho just before he got to Zacchaeus. As Jesus approached, a, a blind man was sitting at the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. The blind beggar was poor and completely powerless in this situation and was healed because of his faith in Jesus. Then, in Luke, further, a little before that, we read of Jesus' discussion with the rich ruler. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. And you shall not give false testimony. Honor your mother and father. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So in this second encounter, we see someone completely opposite from the blind beggar, in that he was wealthy and powerful. And as we see in verse 21, he considered himself to be good because he followed the commandments. But he was unwilling to give up what he had and follow Jesus. 
Mark's version of the story adds that the rich ruler then turned away from Jesus and left. After these two encounters, the followers of Jesus might assume that the kingdom of God was largely for the poor and oppressed, not the rich and powerful, even if they think they are good. Especially after Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. With, with his encounter with Zacchaeus, Jesus is connecting the dots between the beggar and the rich ruler to make sure his followers truly understood the good news. Like the rich ruler, Zacchaeus was wealthy and powerful. But unlike the rich ruler, he was a bad sinner because he disobeyed the commandments by extorting others. But like the blind beggar, he was saved because of his faith in Jesus. Even a tax collector, the worst of the worst, for Jesus said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was reinforcing by example, what he had said after his encounter with the rich man. After he explained how difficult it was for the rich to enter the kingdom, he was asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus again replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Jesus confirms this for Zacchaeus, saying to him, today salvation has come to this house. By choosing Zacchaeus, Jesus was saying that we can't apply our worldly filters and prejudices to discern who is in and who is out of the kingdom. It's not about rich or poor, not about powerless or powerful, not about having previously been living a good or bad life. The kingdom of God is open to all. If you believe in him, repent and follow him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and no one is beyond redemption. No matter our past or our identity, Jesus came to save us, everyone, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, sinners and saints, conservatives and progressives, black and white, and what any other divisions we attempt to impose on each other. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In this encounter with Zacchaeus, Jesus gave us a concise, crystal clear example of the good news. No matter our level of brokenness and sinfulness, Jesus came to save us. None are beyond redemption. Put your faith in Jesus, repent of your sins, turn 180 degrees and follow him. Reveal your new life in Christ with good works. So as you hear this good news today, I ask you, have you held off a decision to follow Christ because of your past? Because you thought what you've done is beyond forgiveness? Or because someone has told you you're unworthy? Well, we are all unworthy, but in Christ we are made clean. So be like Zacchaeus, ignore the whispers from your past or other people, listen to Jesus, put your faith in him, and become a disciple. Amen. The second point I hope to make in this passage is that despite having it all by worldly standards, Zacchaeus was still looking for something. And he knew he found it in Jesus. It is clear in verses 3 and 4 that Zacchaeus was very eager to see Jesus. 
He might have heard about Jesus previously, or maybe the news of the miraculous healing of the blind beggar at the gate had spread quickly ahead of Jesus. But whatever it was that drew him, I got a sense of desperation in his eagerness. Here he was, an important, powerful person, humiliating himself by climbing a tree in his expensive clothes, highlighting his shortness in front of a large crowd that despised him, to see someone who wouldn't likely approve of his life. Can you picture a mob boss climbing a tree on Main Street in his suit to see the newly elected charismatic district attorney who is promising to clean up the crime? I believe he was willing to risk his ego and his dignity because he was hungry for something more in his life. He had wealth and power, but something significant was missing. Something was drawing him. 17th century philosopher Blaise Pascal once said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. Then Zacchaeus encounters Jesus. In verse 5, Jesus showed his radical love and forgiveness by calling him out by name. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And then publicly and emphatically saying, I must stay at your house tonight, today. Jesus, Zacchaeus was wondering just how this out-of-town traveling preacher knew his name. And if he knew his name, he also likely knew his profession. As a tax collector, Zacchaeus was avoided and despised by most people outside his circle of fellow tax collectors. Jesus blew away his expectations. Jesus was willing to risk his own reputation and the contempt of the crowd by asking to stay at his house. He was the last guy anyone would expect Jesus to hang around with. As we read in verse 6, this completely unexpected invitation overjoyed Zacchaeus. It also deeply impacted him and brought him to faith, as clearly demonstrated by his immediate repentance and desire to make restitution to all those he had stolen from. His sudden, I'm all in willingness to give away a significant portion of his wealth suggests that he had figured out where true satisfaction and joy is to be found, not in wealth or power, but in Christ. He didn't have to think about it for very long because he found just what he was looking for. And this new seed of faith landed on good soil. Early church writings indicate that Zacchaeus became part of Peter's ministry and later became the bishop of Caesarea. So how do we apply this to our lives? First of all, as the body of Christ, God's hand, heart, feet, and voice reaching out to lost people in the world, we have the power to impact and transform others. Are your words and actions representing God's? God? Does your love and light shine through to non-believers? Is it attractive or repellent? Would it have the power to transform? Secondly, in our culture today, most people, including many Christians, are trying to figure out who they are, what their identity is, 
And what's the meaning of life? They're seeking joy and satisfaction from money, possessions, politics, relationships, or experiences. But ultimately, we are never truly satisfied by the things of this world. When we, like Zacchaeus, understand the true aim of our longings, we also find our truest identity as children of God. And this leads us to my final point for today. Zacchaeus' new relationship with Jesus began in restoring his relationship with his faith community, an essential part of being a follower of Christ. Said a different way, his newly formed vertical relationship with God was positively impacting his horizontal relationships with those around him. In verse 8, Zacchaeus says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This public declaration must have dumbfounded and astounded the people around him. His new life in Christ triggered a completely new and out-of-character generosity and desire to make things right with those around him. This Christ-inspired commitment immediately started restoring and healing relationships with his community. How would you feel about a pickpocket who stole your wallet with $200 in it and then came back a day later voluntarily and handed you back the wallet with $800 in it? You might be a little annoyed, but there's something you're now thinking. Okay. Did you hear what Zacchaeus just said? What happened to him? He doesn't seem like the same guy. Should I consider forgiving him and giving him another chance? In verse 9, Jesus even says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Jesus was saying, in effect, that Zacchaeus is back in the fold. Likewise, our relationships with Jesus should motivate a desire to restore and heal broken relationships in our lives. It should also create a desire to build up our horizontal relationships with our fellow believers. Christianity is not a solo sport. Our relationship with our fellow church members strengthens us to walk in this challenging world as Christ's representatives. In the words of theologian Marva Don, the local church should be an alternative parallel society, supporting each other in love, living out our faith together, and giving a glimpse of the future kingdom of God to the unbelieving world around us. Are you a thriving member of this alternative parallel society in Christ? If not, why not? We are the body of Christ, called to live out our faith in community in the manner encouraged in 1 Peter 4, where he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what small step can you make this week to build up your relationship with a fellow church member? How can you bless and encourage a brother or sister in Christ? 
So let's conclude today by reviewing our three main points. First, we are all in need of salvation because all have sinned and fall short. And it is available to all by putting our faith in Jesus, repenting and following him. For Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Secondly, being children of God through our relationship in Christ will bring about the true joy, meaning, and satisfaction we are seeking in other things. And finally, like Zacchaeus, may our relationship with Christ restore our broken relationships and unite us as believers so that we may give glory to God and give a glimpse of the future kingdom to the unbelieving world around us. Amen.